My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. I am joined on the other side by not John Stianazen. <laughs> Hello, Helen. Hi there, Germ. Nice to be with you. Um, it feels like something exciting happened this weekend. I don't know. Did, how, was your weekend quite boring? <laughs> no, it wasn't actually. It was boring in a nice way because I was in Johannesburg just in case something went spectacularly wrong here with our virtual congress. It was, of course, our first virtual congress we've ever had. Mm. So we were a bit on tent hooks. So in the sense that nothing disastrous happened, well, you know, I like that kind of boring. Things went off exactly as we'd planned. It was picture perfect and perfect in every way. And I suppose that is a bit boring, but it's the kind of boring I can live with. Well... You're wearing blue, and that's a good that's a good start to the week. Uh, okay, Helen, congrats, congrats. Uh, John is officially the leader. I was hoping for that. I have broken no bones that I felt that if he hadn't won, the DA would be in a serious problem. And congrats on you on getting. Let me get this right because your your title is quite a mouthful. The chair of the federal executive and uh, what? Uh, what was the other part of it? Federal Council. The Federal, federal Council. council. <laughs> Can I say... Big do I title. say... Y- yes. Um, Just say Helen, you know, like you always do. <laughs> well, but basically there's a whole bunch of people. Um, we've got a few gremlins I see that the, the, the stream's a little bit sticky, but let's hope it smoothens out. Um, there are a whole bunch of people that, that were elected... Uh, Let's just quickly start there. Um, I think the general consensus <laughs> um, in the public is that there are only two really important people. It's yourself and, and the leader. But obviously, it goes without saying that all, all the other um, elected are, are pretty important. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, everybody has a role to fulfill. Every position in the DA has a clear function. And so everyone mm. who's elected is important, yes. So, what what does this now mean? I think that's the very next thing. I mean, it feels like it feels to me like it's a new <laughs> it's a new dawn. You're so I think you saw the cartoon that I drew that's coming out today, in which I, I thought it was um, hilarious. Yeah, in which I satirized uh, Cyril's new dawn concept. But what what does it actually mean for the DA? It does feel like there's something new brewing. Yes, there is something new brewing. We're not going to be a blue wobbly jelly at the center of politics anymore. And we're going to be a very clear alternative to the ANC. We're going to map up our path in what John always calls spectacular technicolor. Mm. 
mm. as the alternative and not the ANC light. And that is really critical for South Africa. We're the only party that stands for non-racialism quite openly and strongly today. We're the only party that really stands up for the rule of law for all communities and backs constitutionalism in mm. all its detail, that stands for a market economy. And we are the party that can bring people together as we always have. And this Congress showed that. Obviously, the the problem that arises on social media and the media is that now it's a white party because it's got a white leader. I think that that is vile, Helen. I think that, you know, there was a man once upon a time who had a dream that we would judge people not on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. But it appears to be racist these days. Um, it, it's a bit ridiculous to, to, to judge John on his skin color. Jim, it's been ridiculous to judge people on their skin color always. It hasn't just become ridiculous now. It always has been ridiculous. And the bottom line is that apartheid did that, and we opposed it then. Mm. And critical race theory does that now. Yeah. And identity politics does that now. And we still oppose it. It's very simple. It's not rocket science. In that clip in the beginning... Um, of this uh, show, John mentioned that um, mistakes of the past, uh, he's referring to the DA. What were some of those mistakes? I mean, it was very clear that, that the DA did something very wrong. I mean, if you look at last year's elections, lost five seats in Parliament, I think it was almost half a million votes. What um, what were those mistakes and, and where, what, yeah, and how is it going to be rectified? Well, to be fair, a lot of people made mistakes then. Mm. The big mistake was that we failed to really understand what was happening to politics across the English-speaking world. Identity politics that judges people according to the color of their skin, their sexuality, their gender, and not the content of their character, which had been building up for decades in the United States, burst its banks and spread like a tsunami across the whole of the English-speaking world. Mm. And everybody became what is known as woke. Mm. And it suddenly became progressive in a crazy kind of way to have apartheid logic and to judge people by their color and their chromosomes. Now, that type of madness took a lot of people unawares and it captured the media almost entirely because they were staffed by young people who'd been percolating in the Marxist marinade of humanities faculties at English-speaking universities for a long time. Mm. And critical theory is the latest articulation of Marxism, which always divides the worlds into villains and victims. And now you were a villain on the basis of your color and whether you had yeah. a Y chromosome. No different from any form of biological determinism that we've seen in the past. And it also swept South Africa. And the media, kind of typified by somebody like Eusebius MacKaiser, um, mm. who set himself up as the patron saint of wokeness in the media, and everybody else had to follow, otherwise they would be vilified. And so the DA was no different, I'm afraid. Many, many people who read the English-speaking media, who tune into social media, were also suddenly caught in this flood. And mm. it took a while to recalibrate. But the DA has recalibrated. We've taken a very, very strong stance, and we are not critical race theorists, and we don't believe in wokeness, and we don't believe that more racial classification is the solution to past racial classification. It's as simple as that. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned the US. Um, academic and economist uh, Thomas Sowell, who I think you, you might know, he actually said that... Uh, uh, you don't fight racism with racism. Well, of course you don't. I mean, it's totally logical that you don't. Mm. You fight racism with non-racism. Yeah. But suddenly, non-racialism has become conservative. I mean, I don't know where that comes from in the world or how that comes from, but that's what it is perceived to be. And it is literally crazy that non-racialism can be seen to be racist in the modern environment. It's mad. 
And we must say non-racialism is the only way a country like South Africa can work. Mm. It is the only way it can be inclusive. And frankly, it is the only way that redress can be properly done. Mm. Helen, I apologize. We we do seem to have a bit of a sticky connection, but I, I I'm hearing and seeing you fine. I just hope that it will it'll be okay for the for the viewers. Um, what is the difference, Helen, between anti-racism and non-racialism? I mean, it's a thing that comes up all the time now, and I find it disturbing. Well, anti-racism is a mad contradiction in terms. It basically says that if you want to fight against racism, you have mm. to be more racist than the racists. That's basically what it means. It sees racism in everything, in everything that you would... I mean, they will find something racist about ordering a meal. They will find something racist about adopting a child of a different race. Yeah. Whatever it is, they will find a way of casting it as racist. And then being anti-that is to be anti-racist every single norm and convention. And let me tell you what lies at the heart of it. What lies at the heart of it is a group of people who want to get rid of all checks and balances on power and manipulate people on the basis of their race mm. so that you can have divide and rule in plural societies and make people believe that constitutional checks and balances, like an independent judiciary, like the rule of law, like different spheres of government, like institutions such as the public protector, etc., as they should be functioning, mm. are somehow alien to African culture and therefore should be got rid of. That is what is at the root of it. It is an assault on constitutionalism. It is an assault on the rule of law. It is an assault on every brick of democracy that we've, been, that we've built up with such painstaking difficulty over a very, very long time. That is really the agenda, because all of the things yeah. that I've mentioned to you are somehow racist and have to be got away with. Um, it is very, very dangerous indeed. I agree with you. Um, and, and to be clear, the Constitution isn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> the legacy of constitutionalism is not only negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's get back to the DA because this is now this is a pretty important moment, I suspect, um, in the DA's history. Where's the DA now, and um, what uh, what can I hope for, Helen? Well, you can hope for a real alternative mm. that, if sensible South Africans from all communities vote for, will make South Africa work. That's what you can hope for. Mm. And you can do something about it by supporting us yeah. and by voting for us mm. and by understanding that until we get the political framework in this country right, nothing else will come right. Yeah, I mean, but that sounds like politicking. I mean, let's 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 get down to some brass tacks. Um, I'm I'm on your side, and I think that the DA is on the, is on track. Uh, to going back to what I feel are its roots. Firstly, am I correct in saying that? Yes, you are. Helen Sussman would have stood for everything we stand for today. Mm. And I see that John has, has, has come out swinging with some with some great um, suggestions that, that the DA is now going to actually present alternatives and solutions rather than critiquing all the time, which is, I think, a very good place to be uh, when you actually represent yourself as opposed to just merely in opposition you know the truth is that we always have offered mm. the alternative we have a policy for everything and a crystal clear alternative yeah that got a bit blurred over the last three or four years very blurred indeed and john was right when he called the da during that period a blob of wobbly jelly in the center of politics we're not going to be that anymore we never were that in the past there's no place for blue wobbly jelly in politics and in fact, when I make the statements that I just made earlier, it isn't politicking, it just happens to be the fact. <laughs> so John will come out with um, some clear positions. And let's hope that the media that can't wrap its head around anything more complex than mm. uh, what did you have for breakfast today will actually get some of the points we make. I think you, you're bringing up an interesting point there, though. The media doesn't like you. Well, when I say you, I mean the DA, for some reason. 
Well, the media doesn't like us because in the main, they're populated by woke graduates from mm. English-speaking universities, humanities faculty. Mm. And they're all trying to virtue signal to each other. Yeah. The tragedy about the media is that they don't write for readers or listeners or viewers. They write for each other. They're all trying to impress each other. And they're all trying to be more woke than the next one. And you've got to then ask, why are they surprised that their viewership numbers are plummeting? Why are they surprised that their readership is plummeting? I read The Star this morning, and it was so pitifully mm. off the mark on the DA's Congress. So pathetic that I thought, why does anyone read this newspaper? And fewer and fewer people do. Yeah, And it's a miracle that the so-called independent newspapers still publish. I don't know who believes the stuff they write, and I'd like to know who's funding them. I think there's a huge scandal behind that somewhere that mm. will make the old citizen scandal look pale by comparison. Then I heard Karima Brown on a television station last night, I think it was ENCA. Oh, my goodness. I don't know who she speaks to or who she discusses the DA with except her work colleagues in the media and one or two of her work friends. And then there's Stephen Friedman. Oh. I last spoke to Stephen Friedman when I was a journalist on the Rand Daily Mail. Mm. And he claims to be an expert on the DA. I mean, it's so bizarre. And these people, these dialogue quotes, get trotted out when they know absolutely nothing about a subject as if they're some kind of expert. Dialogue quotes. It's just bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> I love dialogue quote. Is, the more the more the mainstream media hate us, the more the voters like us. So it's always a good sign. I was just about to say, if 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 the because remember now the the mainstream media has become a bit of the establishment. So if they are against you, then you certainly are probably on the right side of history. That's that's my view. Yeah. Indeed, absolutely, indeed. Especially when you look at the intellectual caliber of some of the people that I mentioned. <laughs> um it's sad that you have to that you have to even mention those people because i don't think anybody takes them seriously anymore um you know maybe maybe there are a handful no but I, brains takes them seriously that's for, yeah that's for sure helen can i read you one or two questions from the comments sure okay so obviously obviously i have to read you this because it always comes up but People want to know what your view or the DA's view on Cape independence or any kind of secession is. I have to, it's the mandatory question I have to ask you. You see, we are liberals and we believe that South Africa has to work when we're all working together. And we can't give up on that dream, otherwise no society will be able to work in future. Mm. But let's just look at the practicalities of secession. Look at the border of what an independent Cape would look like and how long it would be. And assuming that we would follow DA-type policies in a seceded state, you can imagine potentially a flourishing economy. And we know what happens when there's a flourishing economy in a sea of poverty and misery and decline. Millions of people understandably wanting a better life mm. want to come there. And often people don't make the connection between better government and a better economy. Now, how is one going to apply the concept of having borders to an independent secessionist state? It's just not possible to defend those borders. Mm. Then the big question is, would we have a flourishing economy? Because immediately if we did that, and if it was possible to do that, and I'll come to that in a moment, mm. you would get excise duties, you would be prevented from exporting and importing to Gauteng and other places. You would get all of those kinds of things in a very, very punitive response by a government in the rest of South Africa. So it would make things economically enormously difficult. And we mustn't assume that things would be easy in a seceded state or that we will have the resources to address the consequences. Mm. Then the next thing is, how do you get there without a civil war? Now, the Constitution does make provision for a part of South Africa to secede if 
it can meet the threshold required in the National Assembly and in the National Council of Provinces, which is a very, very high threshold. So that would never, ever happen because I can't imagine that the eight other provinces or the seven other provinces, if you were thinking of including the Northern Cape and the Western Cape together, the seven other provinces would approve of that. They would be absolutely opposed to that. So I'm not sure how you can secede and have an independent Cape without a civil war in reality. Yes, theoretically in the constitution, yeah. it would be possible. But if we go through it, we'll really inherit a wasteland because the rest of South Africa won't look on it very kindly. What we must rather do is try and make sure that we govern well where we govern. And we've learned a lot of lessons in this last term. We've learned some very tough lessons. I don't think we have been the epitome of good governance, let's say, in Johannesburg, just to mm. use that as an example. And the lesson we've learned there is that we must never, ever again make ourselves dependent on the EFF to be in government. Because, as they did with Herman Mashaba, mm. the EFF basically runs the government behind the scenes, and Herman Mashaba became beholden to them. And, you know, that is the fatal thing. So we are probably going to move into more coalitions. I ran a seven-party coalition in Cape Town, and they're very, very difficult to run. But when you run coalitions, you've got to know where the lines are, you've got to know where the principles are, and you've got to know how not yeah. to cross them. And you've got to be strong enough not to cross them. And so we've learned a lot of lessons, but the future is coalition politics in the immediate term. Yeah, We've got to be able to run them well and with the right people. So, yeah, I mean, that's for me an important aspect of the DA. Um, the DA has got two, two things to look at. Governance, which if you look at the Western Cape, has got a very clean record. I mean, I don't think anybody would want a different party to govern um, the Western Cape. I mean, that's why the municipal elections next year, I think, are really important because the DA, I mean, potholes. So something as simple as that. Potholes are constantly fixed just in my in my streets, just in my neighboring streets. During winter, the pothole pops up, they're fixed within, I don't know, within 24 hours. Um, and that's pretty efficient. The other aspect, of course, is the ideological positioning of the DA. And of course, as you were saying, this is now where the DA is starting to rectify things and go back to the roots. Um, do you think, or do you agree with me that, that next year's municipal elections are really, really actually now pinnacle for the DA? Yes, they really are. They're very important. I mean, every election is very important for the DA. Mm. But, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, there are many places in South Africa which are completely bankrupt. Mm. You take over those municipalities and they are completely and utterly bankrupt. Mm. They owe billions to ESCOM, literally billions from a municipality. And so you can't possibly promise anything in those municipalities except stabilize. I would even say liquidate those municipalities. Yeah. Pay off a certain amount in the RAND, sell off all non-core assets, pay a certain amount in the RAND to your creditors and get back on the road again. I mean, the way local government has been mismanaged in most of South Africa outside of DA governments is so shocking that I think many South Africans don't even get the extent of it. I mean, a place like Standerton yeah. is so horrifically badly governed. I mean, across South Africa, when I see it, it's just beggar's belief. It beggar's belief. Is it connected, though, to to poor governance entirely? I mean, I, I said the other day, and I got a little bit of flack for it, but I said the other day that the Western Cape also has a culture, generally speaking, of... Um, pride uh, you know people if you travel around the western cape even if you go into the little towns there's a sense of community and tr and pride that 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 i find lacks if i go to the eastern cape i mean you know it's become so derelict do you do you think it's not just governance but also just people who have lost hope i think so and i think it's people who've lost a sense of personal agency mm. Now, you've got to understand how important personal agency is. You spoke about fixing potholes yeah. in your road. Mm. 
Now, the pothole only gets fixed because there is someone in your road who picks up the phone, called the number that the city puts out there for mm. reporting potholes and other service delivery problems. So they called in there, they got a reference number, and the system kicked in and worked. Mm. But it started with a citizen having a sense of agency and saying, I don't like a broken streetlight outside of my house. I don't like a pothole outside of my house. And I personally will take the trouble to call in and get it fixed. Mm. Many phone the call line, many phone the counselor. Because it takes a lot of agency to know who your counselor is and to have their phone number and to call them. Mm. So it starts with the citizen. But it also is because you have a sense of hope and belief that if you take the trouble to do that, you will get the service that you are requesting. So it's a sense of agency which comes from hope. If you go to some places in Cape Town and the Western Cape, you'll see a lot of potholes. And when I go there and ask why and try and track down to the root as to why they're there, well, A, no one knows who the councillor is, or B, they hate the councillor, or C, they say the councillor's totally useless and never returns any calls or does anything at all. And it's no point phoning into the helpline because A, the helpline doesn't work, or nobody calls back, or nobody does anything. So when you lose hope, you lose agency. And when you think nothing's ever going to change by your efforts, you stop making efforts. So it's a kind of combination of things. So some people are naturally quite cynical if you look at some of the comments um, saying, yeah, but, you know, they're still paying high taxes and their areas are run down. And what about some of the areas like Langa and the Cape Flats and all this? And this is all still looking pretty appalling. You know, you fly in, you fly in from Joburg um, and you come in from the ocean side and you see, you just see that mass of poverty. Uh, and it looks like it's growing, Helen. What? How much of that is DA? How much of that is ANC? How much of that is just people giving up? Well, you've got to look at the full picture there, Jim. I mean, we've had massive urbanization, hmm. massive uh, demographic movement of people from the Eastern Cape. And it's because things are so totally desperate there. Hmm. And people have a much, much higher chance of getting a job in the Western Cape. But it's often a very low entry-level job because of poor skills, etc. Mm. And it's amazing how the Western Cape eco economic growth rate and service delivery rate has kept up by and large with the extraordinary growth in our population. Now, if you look at that sea of shacks, which is heartbreaking, I agree, mm. no government on this planet can provide a house for people where they want to live. Mm. We have freedom of movement, but not freedom of residence wherever you want to live that the yeah. state was providing with a yeah. formal house. If you look at the rest of the Western Cape, people who live in formal houses sometimes have had a free house from the government, oftentimes, because we don't steal the money. We spend the money that is meant for houses on houses. Mm. So most of the houses that you'll see in poorer areas that people own and live in have been given to them usually free of charge by the state or by the western cape government and the city of cape town and other local authorities in the western cape yes that is true but it is impossible for any government to give everybody a house who needs one yeah and in the middle and upper classes the government gave nobody a house and the cross subsidization mm. of rates and taxes from the wealthy to the poor is massive in the Western Cape. People pay high rates and service charges to live in their own houses so that we can provide free water, free electricity, free refuse removal, free basic services to the very poor. And if you look at those shack settlements, unless they are built in an area that it's impossible to electrify mm. because of the floodwaters, mm. and people build shacks where they shouldn't because those are flooding areas, and much of the topography of the Cape Flats consists of flooding areas. Mm. People have electricity. People have running water. People have sewerage. Do you know how much it costs to get that to people? 
Mm. Um, yeah, but you said once upon a time, Helen, that, and I, and I think you're correct, but again, um, you got a little bit of flack for it, but you, I remember you saying something along the lines of the ANC bussing in uh, people into the Western Cape. Um, and that, that's not a theory. You can see that happening. Well, I think most of the people coming into the Western Cape are people who are coming here because their circumstances are so desperate where they mm. are. You know, most people in the Western Cape haven't given up looking for jobs. Mm. Most people who are unemployed in the Eastern Cape have given up looking for jobs. And um, the tragedy is that when people come to a place where there are more opportunities, better services, better schools, much better hospitals, and all the better infrastructure... They don't make the connection, I don't think, between mm. that and having a DA government. And that's a big challenge for us. Ellen, okay, so let's talk just for a moment about the ANC and the EFF. Um, I have a suspicion that the EFF will cap at about 15%. I don't think there's enough support for them to go over that. But that 15% is nevertheless quite damaging if the ANC has, say, 60% because they will often vote together on things, and that's obviously very, very detrimental. Um, what, is, what is the DA strategy now to deal, to compete with, with them? I mean, obviously what you want now is to, is to get back some lost votes um, who, who, clearly, who clearly went, A, to the Freedom Front because they said as much, but also the ANC, I think, have lost a lot of votes during this pandemic, which might be for the DA. Look, I think in local government elections next year, the ANC will fall below 50% in many, many places. Mm. And then you're talking coalitions. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind, and I know it's sacrilegious to say so, and maybe I shouldn't say so, but I've never been shy of saying things that I believe but that I shouldn't say. Mm. I wouldn't mind if the EFF, ended up in control of a couple of municipalities. I would feel very, very sorry for those municipalities and the people there. But in the end, people get the governments they voted for and they get the coalitions they voted for. But what we need to see is how the EFF governs. We know they can shout their mouths off on anything. We know that they can use incredibly racially charged and violent hate speech we know all of that, and we know that that may be attractive to some people some of the time. But we've never seen the EFF in government. And believe me, their corruption mm. and their mismanagement will make the ANC look like a picnic. <laughs> so we really do have to see how they govern so that they can reach their ceiling very promptly. Yeah. Because if VBS and the looting that went on there has anything to go by, believe me, they will use every single government, even if it's bankrupt, as a piggy bank to fund their leaders' lifestyles. You don't have to say anything. I'm going to say it, and I'm saying it on record, but I think Floyd is going to jail, speaking of VBS. But you can keep quiet if you want. <laughs> um let me read you a comment from Jason, um, Helen. Uh, he says, yeah, Helen, all you say means nothing as long as we are following the UN and WEF policy and their agendas. A DA government following a socialist program does not mean democracy or constitutionalism. This pandemic, Helen, has led to a lot of confusion, not just in South Africa, but globally. There are some very strange things happening. Uh, governments are following scripts like it's, like it's all pre-planned. I'm sure you will agree that this has been a very strange experience. What are your views with regards to a comment like that, speaking about the DA um, following UN principles? I don't know what that means, basically. I really don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean, the United Nations has had some very weird principles and very weird policies. What does that even mean? Uh, well, I mean, it's a, uh, I don't know, it's, that's the comment from Jason. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure. I, well, I, I, Jason, I'm asking Jason, what do you mean, Jason? All right, 
let's 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 wait for Jason to come back with a more a more direct um, question. Um, Helen, another question that came through was how how's the DA now going to target those disenfranchised voters? Uh, we know that there was a huge drop in voter turnout in the last election. Um, I don't know if that will change dramatically. What do you think? Well, no one's disenfranchised if they're over 18 and bothered to register to vote and have an ID book in South mm. Africa. Mm. Um, sadly, many permanent residents can't vote, but mm. um, no one's act- actively disenfranchised if they're a South African citizen over 18. They choose not to vote. Right. Okay, but those voters who are lost, those are the ones you want, those those sort of Swing voters, I suppose you could call them. Do you think that is the DA going to target those, or is the DA just going to sort of uh, ground itself on its principles and hope that that gets that it gets those voters? Well, any party that is not grounded in principles mm. and doesn't consequently convey those principles in a program of action mm. will be lost any because such a party won't get any votes in the long term and everyone will just see it as a big blue wobbly jelly in the center of politics. So as John has said, there is no shortcut in politics. If you're grounded in your values and you are vision-led and values-driven, then eventually, if you are closer to the truth and reality than other parties, people begin to get it. And that is where the DA has to be. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. Um, and that's why I think that this sort of new, excuse the pun, this new dawn um, for the DA, I think is actually a punishment. Um, I have a suspicion, though, that you're correct about the ANC dropping below 50%. Um, I actually think the ANC is going to drop below 50% in the next national election, maybe 50, 51, but very close to dropping below 50%. And I think that's also indicative of voters just realizing now that the ANC is failing. It is not a party that can govern South Africa anymore. And I know that there's a lot of talk about the DA never governing. Do you think that that's all nonsense? Do you think the DA can govern? Of course the DA can govern. I mean, they've been saying that forever. Mm. The Progressive Party for many years that I worked as a volunteer for it since 1959 had only one public representative in the whole of South Africa, frankly. Mm. Had a few councillors after Helen Swisman, but literally one MP. Now, you know, today we're in a totally different place and we're not only a party of opposition, we are a party of government. We took Cape Town away from the ANC in 2006 Mm. and we took the Western Cape away from the ANC in 2009. And we haven't given them up since. Yeah, We've governed in coalition outside of the Western Cape. We got an overall majority from the very beginning in Midval. And we even govern in Modimole Mohopong, mm. where we have a very young and dynamic mayor called Marlene van Staden, who became the mayor when she had a baby of five months, five weeks old, sorry, five weeks sure. old. There's a big difference between five weeks and five months for a baby. <laughs> and now she's just had another baby. And she's probably, well, she'll obviously stand for re-election. What a dynamic and strong woman. Mm, mm. Now, the bottom line is that, um, you know, we govern. And where we govern, we generally govern a lot better unless we are dependent on the EFF to stay in government, in which case we have shown that it makes it impossible to govern properly. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the DA certainly has what it takes to govern. I mean, the clean audits are you know, a pretty good example of that. Uh, there's a question coming through um, from Rosalind. Wants to know, what data is the DA relying on to perpetuate lockdown? Um, and have you engaged with organizations like Panda, for example? I'm pretty certain that you're anti-lockdown at this stage. We've been anti-lockdown after the first three weeks of lockdown. We Mm. thought the first three weeks of lockdown were important to get our health systems prepared Mm. for what would follow. So we supported the first three weeks. After that, we've been all in favor of opening the economy. Mm. And Panda has, in fact, been on our corona cost. And we've worked very closely with Panda. And I have a very high regard for the actuaries 
and economists mm. in Panda. Yeah, um, like like Nick Hudson. All of them, Nick Hudson, the Lambertis, the whole mm. lot of them. They are first rate. Um, yeah, and obviously, obviously, the ANC is is destroying destroying the economy now with its continued state of disaster. And let's just talk about that for a second. Is the DA challenging? Uh, the ANC on, on, on any of this stuff, like the state of disaster extensions, etc. I mean, Dlamini Zuma yes, is... Indeed. She's damaging. Indeed, Jim. Indeed, Jim. We've got a case that's now coming up before the Constitutional Court. Um, we first had to go through all of the lower courts to get to the Constitutional Court. But we're challenging the Disaster Management Act, yeah. which is at the root of the problem. And that act puts all the power in Dlamini Zuma's hands mm. when a national state of disaster is declared as it was, and it basically disempowers Cyril entirely. And what we've seen is the um, ANC loving this power, this huge amount of power in their hands without any checks and balances, bypassing parliament. And now they're trying to set up a replica of this at the district model, at regional level and at local level with award-based war rooms. This mm. is a real power grab and, a, and an attempt to set up parallel structures to constitutionalism. And we oppose it all the way. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, you, certainly, you certainly have my support on that. Uh, all right. Another question coming through. Oh, lots of questions, but I have to choose, I have to choose ones that are, that are relevant. <laughs> um, will the DA now start their own media platform? This is coming from Kerry. Uh, like Corona Cast to get their message out. Uh, I think that was CC. That C, that Corona Cast was very effective, says Kerry. Yes, indeed, Kerry. And you're absolutely right. We can no longer rely on the media to broadcast our message because they only broadcast a particular slant on our message that they want yeah. to broadcast. And so we will be doing more and more direct communication with the public. Technology makes it possible. We're going to take that opportunity with both hands with everything we've got and we're going to make sure that we broadcast and speak directly to the public more and more and not rely on people who are always going to distort and misrepresent what we say yeah absolutely 100 uh, percent all right yes yes a great question um how is the democratic alliance basically from today going forward going to be different from the democratic alliance that was before the congress now, that is really a question that you have to ask John Steenhuisen, okay. because he is the leader and I am not. I'm the person in the party who takes the decisions of leadership and turns them into an organizational program of action and a structure. That is my job. It's a tough job, but I've had a lot of experience of inheriting governments from the ANC and making those spheres of government work, like Cape Town and the Western Cape. Mm. So I'm used to those kinds of tough jobs, and I really enjoy rolling up my sleeves and getting on with them. However, according to what John has said and not what I have said, we're going to be absolutely clear in our vision. Non-racialism, a market economy, the rule of law, safety nets for the very vulnerable, clean government, and everything that goes with it, yeah. and most especially giving power back to the people and not concentrating it in an all-powerful, corrupt state. That is our vision, and we will stand by it at every turn. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good um, summary. I don't think I don't think any sane person can have have an issue with that, Helen. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah. But some crazies, as I said earlier in this show, believe that to be racist is to be progressive. Yeah, mad. Um, completely mad. I I do have one personal uh, question though about the idea of inclusivity. Is it is it actually is it actually possible for a party to be completely inclusive? I mean, it's it's a very very tall order. Well, we're not completely inclusive. No party can be. Mm. We say yeah is our set of values right this is what you believe if you believe this is what we believe if that's what you believe welcome you're included right be part of the team work with us 
Yeah. If you're a fascist or a racist, we can't include you. Sorry. <laughs> so I guess there's no space for Julius in the in the DA. <laughs> no. No, no. No, we can't include Julius. He just doesn't share our values. I don't think he has any values, Helen. <laughs> well, he certainly knows how to look after himself and cut the throat of whiteness and be populist. If you can call those values, yeah, Helen. Um, someone someone says that you often get cited as like the puppet master, and you this you this you you're controlling um, the the scenes, and you want you want only white faces back in the DA. I mean, that's all nonsense, right? <laughs> it's all so pitiful, you know. I sometimes laugh. I don't even know where people get this stuff from. They make it up. And these analysts talk to each other. That's the only people they talk to. And they listen yeah. to each other. That's what's even worse. And they try to impress each other, which is worst of all. Yeah. Um, all right. We we are coming. We've got about 10 minutes left, and I'll, I'll read you some more questions. Uh, we've been plagued with technical gremlins this morning, but we've pushed through, and I thank you for your, for your patience. Um, one of the things that I that I was very critical of uh, with the DA. And I mean, you and I have spoken a lot about this. I've, I was very disillusioned. I have a, I have new hope. Um, and, and that's, that's a good place to be. Uh, but sure, there's a big uphill battle. Five seats is, a, it's a lot of seats to get back. Do you, do you think it's possible soon or is it going to take a while? It'll take a while. You know, I've lived through many setbacks in the DA. I've been with a party, first as a volunteer from mm. my school days. And I only became a public representative in 1999. So that was a very, very long time after my school days. I can assure you of that. So I've been with the party for a long time. I've seen Fonsal Slubbert walk out of the party when we really crashed. I've seen us get 1.7% in the first national election, which was a tiny amount to get. I have seen us split apart in 2000 and really crash badly then. Yeah. But every time we've crashed, we've analyzed what the core of the problem is. And we have shone a light not only on the depth of our hole, as John says, but to find a ladder out of the hole. Yeah. And we're doing that again. So it's very easy to break down a party, as Musi Maimani showed. Yeah. Very easy to destroy its internal systems, as poor Bowie showed. Very easy to ruin what other people have built. Yeah, It takes a very long time to rebuild it. Helen, I've said this before, and I think people have got a very short memory. Um, and I'm not saying this because you're sitting in front of me uh, virtually, but I've said this genuinely. I think that you have probably uh, are the greatest leader in, in post-apartheid South Africa, or just in South Africa in general, I suppose. Um, and I, I mean no disrespect to, to John being the leader, but uh, under your leadership, and let's, let's just remind people, under your leadership, the DA grew in every single national election. And the first time the DA regressed was when you were no longer the leader. That shows you that people believe in your, um, your, your skill set. Now, let's hope that, that that's going to be transferred <laughs> into, into John. <laughs> John doesn't need any transference from me. Believe me, he needs no transference from me. He's much more of an instinctively natural politician than I am. In many ways, I'm not a good politician, actually, when I look at my attributes. I'm not. John is a much better politician than I am. Yeah. And he's also a brilliant public speaker, which I'm not. And he's also got uh, much more skill at being diplomatic and nice than I yeah. have. So ironically, I don't have many of the attributes that are needed to be a successful politician. Right. But I have to be who I am, and John is going to be who he is. One thing that is indispensable is an intellect to be yeah. a successful politician. You've got to be quite smart, and the other is courage. And I would add the third one, integrity. If yeah. you've got all those three, you've got the base ingredients. I I want to I want to just touch on this and I, I don't want to get into details because it's not it wouldn't be fair. 
but I want to suggest that the DA under under your leadership and hopefully under John's leadership is going to be one of leadership and principles. But it almost appears to me that under Musi it became a, a leadership of personality rather than of of actual leadership. Um, and we we do see that in South African politics under under Julius we have a party of personality. Um, and it would also appear to some degree that the ANC has become about personalities rather than about leadership. Am I off the mark or, or do you think I've, I've, I'm, I'm onto something? I think you're very much onto something. I mean, you can't entirely separate leadership from personality because yeah. people with strong leadership qualities do become personalities politically in a way. But there's got to be much, much more than personality. Yeah. There's got to be structures. There's got to be systems. There's got to be principles. There's got to be values. There's got yeah. to be policies. Yeah. And the big problem was that Musi tried to be all things to all people. And so he said different things depending on the audiences. Mm. He even changed his accent depending on the audience. And when someone does that, you really can't trust them anymore. I think there was a fundamental breakdown in trust. Mm. I mean, everyone knows that I will say the same thing in Soweto that I will say in Houghton. Mm. And I will say the same thing as in Constantia as I will say in Kailicha. Mm. Because I believe our principles and values are best for everyone and the only way of getting South Africa out of its very deep and growing hole. I believe that. And so I will say mm. that wherever I am and explain it. I might use different explanations depending on the audience. I might not quote Francis Fukuyama's analyses to some audiences that I would yeah. to others. Obviously, as a politician, you have to be able to say what you believe in a way yeah. that the audience will understand. But I don't change the message. There are lots of people asking asking about this UN thing. I don't know what what they're actually wanting to know, Helen. Um, so I'm going to ignore all that UN, all the UN stuff. Um, I, just, I want to know what people mean by the UN. I mean, do they mean the climate change stuff? Do they mean the? I don't know what they mean. Uh, um, I, I don't know either. I th I think they're referring to the the overall agenda 2030, which is about pushing the world into a more socialist environment. But this is a very big kind of question, and it's not one that <laughs> that that you can deal with right now in terms of DA policy. <laughs> no, I can't, and I'm definitely not a socialist. But I do believe that there are many people seriously disadvantaged by the past mm. who need a way out of poverty and into a better life. Mm. And that is going to be part of their own agency, but crucially part of the environment established by a good government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kerry wants to know, before we, before we say cheers and how many minutes have we got left? Just about five minutes. She wants to know if you can, uh, if you can sign off in a local language. <laughs> but not just yet. Which means? Um, let's 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 come down to a few lighter things before we end, Helen. Um, are you? Are you going to be very busy now? Yes, but I always am, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be very, very, very busy now. I mean, we, we go now into our candidate selection process, which in the DA is very detailed, very fair. We've got to determine our strategic municipalities. We've got to get mayoral selection processes up mm. and running. You know, the DA doesn't work like the leader says, A, B, C, you're in this position, you're in that position. We go through very democratic, very rigorous processes. Every single candidate has to do a potential candidates program where they have to pass five very difficult modules. I mean, it's not easy becoming a, mm. a DA candidate. And we do that for a very good reason. We want the best quality we can get. All right. I've got to ask you, is the DA opposed to black empowerment and uh, BEE and all the derivatives? Well, we are very opposed to what the ANC has been doing with BBBEE because it's made millions and millions of people much poorer and enriched a tiny politically connected elite. We believe in non-racial policies. We believe in putting people who can do jobs into jobs, 
because mm. that is the best way to benefit everybody and to create the confidence for a growing economy mm. that can get people into jobs. And the most important thing to empower people is to get them into jobs and get their children a decent education because that is the best empowerment of all. Apartheid denied them that opportunity on the basis of race. And today, the ANC does exactly the same, ironically, also on the basis of race, although the ANC in many ways is even more hypocritical mm. because apartheid didn't claim to be for black people. It was overtly against black people. But the ANC oh, yeah. claims to be for black people and destroys any hope they have in life. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right. The apartheid was absolutely anti it was anti-black people. It was anti-everybody. It was just it was just favoring the state essentially. And and funnily enough, the ANC today is not that much different. Exactly it's very the same. much no, yeah, exactly the same. Mm. Okay, let me just quickly go back to that. Sorry, people to go into poverty. Yeah, sorry, Helen. Um, I, I let me come back to that UN thing because so people are keep they keep pushing this thing. So let's just be a bit more clear. Does the DA have any, have any policies that are aligned? with uh, UN uh, policies that look like they might push us into a socialist type agenda. That's where people are trying to go with the question, yeah. Okay. Well, we are dead opposed to socialism because it's failed wherever it's been tried and pushed everybody mm. into poverty. So if you could uh, you just bring one example, I'd be quite happy. Which UN policies specifically are we following that will push South Africa into socialism? I don't get it. Yeah, we'll have to do. We'll have to do that one. We'll have to do that one on another day because I know th I know where that discussion's going, but it's a very meta discussion. It's not a very precise one, and it's not one that we can deal with, like with a couple minutes remaining. Um, I, I think that's yeah. It's more of a philosophical conversation. I think I I I agree with with that line of questioning, but it's it's not it's not a pragmatic conversation right now dealing with. John Cena is becoming the new leader of the DA, you know, and where the DA is going to go forward. Um, okay, Helen, let's 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 end off with one more question. Okay. Warwick has got a very interesting question here. Uh, does the DA consider itself secular? That's a very interesting question because. Secularism is certainly not one of our core values. Mm. Integrity is. And if you believe in God of any kind, you're very mm. welcome to join the DA. Mm. If you're an atheist, you're very welcome to join the DA because we believe in freedom of religion, right. which is also the freedom not to have a religion. And the bottom line is this, that if you believe in freedom of religion, Everybody in the DA, whether they happen to believe or not, will depend, defend other people's rights to yeah. believe what they believe. It's like freedom of speech. I may disagree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. Voltaire. Those are the values that you believe in. Mm. Yeah, so, I think example, that's... A... Muslims join the DA, and we have many Muslims mm. in the DA. We have many Christians in the DA. We have many Jews in the DA. We have many atheists and agnostics in the DA. But we're all there defending each other's rights to be who we are. Yeah. Yeah, it's tolerance, isn't it? It's not only tolerance. It's defending people's rights to define themselves and live a life they value. Mm. And the trouble is when you get situations like apartheid, everybody's defined by their color. And again, under the ANC, everybody's defined by their color. This is ridiculous. That's why when we say that we defend each other's rights to a full and equal life in a constitutional state, it has profound implications. It's very different from what the ANC does and totally different from what apartheid did. Um, I'm, being, I'm being criticized for not asking you uh, heated questions, Helen. Well, please ask me some heated questions. I'm waiting for them. Come. Well, we don't have much time, but I'm not sure what 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 more um, I can ask. The, it's only one day, one day into the uh, sort of DA 2.0. <laughs> well, well, listen. Give me at least one 
tough question to answer. Okay, here we go, here we go. Somebody, somebody leave a comment, just prefix it with a question for Helen and make it a tough one. I'll ask that one and that's where we'll end. But in the meantime, Helen. I want a really tough one. Yeah, a really tough one for Helen. There we go. Um, In the meantime, let me read what Paulie says. Helen is the most presidential-esque person in South Africa and would lead our country better than any other. She is the real deal. That's from Paulie. Um, Thank you, Paulie. Uh, let's see. Uh, Allison says the ANC is about black apartheid, um, but we covered that. We know that the ANC are, are doing very much the same thing. Uh, Jason says, so it's constitutionalism over everything else. I will hold Helen to the statement. This means... No vaccines, no ID passports. There's an interesting one also, Helen, about this whole COVID passport thing. I must admit, I do not support any of this kind of sort of uh, COVID passport stuff. It's, for me, very worrying. What's COVID passport stuff? Uh, In other words, you can't leave the country unless you've got uh, a COVID test done, these sorts of things. Um, It's stuff that's been asked. Okay, here's a, here's a tough one related to that. Does the DA plan to separate themselves from the United Nations Agenda 2030 or do they intend to stay on the same global governance path as the ANC? Well, we've never been on the same global governance path as, path as the ANC, never. Mm. The bottom line is the ANC has made friends with all kinds of dictatorships, fascist re- regimes, Marxist regimes, one-party states all over the world. We've had nothing to do with that. And we've Mm. been very, very critical of South Africa's foreign policy and our role in the United Nations, and we have done that. Yeah. And if I look at the comments, uh, there are many, many people who are anti-UN. I also am one of those. I find the UN to be a very, very harmful organization of late, particularly. Um, But, you know, Helen, there's, there's actually... There actually is a lot to talk about, but I just wanted to chat to you this morning about the new DA um, and about the new people who are coming in. And I think I, I'm i going to state openly that I am going to get behind this new DA. I think that it's um, it's probably the last lap, isn't it? The last lap in that race. I mean, if a DA can't, can't pull off something now, then, you know, <laughs> might want to throw in the towel. <laughs> no, we in the towel. I mean, there is only way, one way South Africa can work, and I really have studied the different ways very closely. Secession can't work without a civil war. Right. Just simple. And none of us want a civil war. Number two, apartheid and racism of any kind don't Mm. work, and we've seen the consequences of that. The only way South Africa can work is if we can somehow get behind a common set of values and build this country on this basis, judging everybody in terms of who they are and not whether they've got an X or Y chromosome Mm. and not on the basis of how much melanin they've got in their skin and on the basis of their willingness to take control of their own lives, to understand that life is unfair and was very unfair in the past Mm. and that we all have to work together to fix it which will not be fixed by marginalizing some people on the basis of their race again. Yeah. That's not so hard to understand. Yeah. But it's going to be a long time before most South Africans get it. Mm. And you can understand that because of our past. But we in the DA will keep on keeping on. It's the long obedience. That's what Tony Leon says, the long obedience. And there are no shortcuts. I might eventually go into retirement. But boy, there are lots of people on the D, in the DA who've got a very long way to go before they retire. Well, speaking of retirement, Helen, let me close off our conversation with a comment from Greg. It's a bit of a marriage proposal, actually, saying that he wishes he, was, oh. he, wishes he was 20 years younger, Helen. <laughs> well, I mean, how can that be a marriage proposal? I mean, if he was 20 years younger, he'd be my grandson. <laughs> no, but I think he's Never older by 20 years. Older? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, Greg, I think... that makes you 90, my friend. That makes you 90. I can hardly imagine that you're 90, Greg. But um, anyway, one step at a time. I am damn happy doing this job. I'll do it to the very best of my ability. I still get to see my grandchildren because my 
children believe that we can get South Africa right. So they're in South Africa. Mm. And so I'm absolutely thrilled that my grandchildren are here too. I love them. Helen, I'm also absolutely thrilled that, that you are here. Um, I I am a big fan. As I said, um, I'm a bit of a fanboy actually, but, uh, but we know this. Uh, you've got a lot of support. I really am holding thumbs, Helen. Um, do your do your best and um i want to say may god bless you but i know that that we get so many offended people these days uh because i'm not i'm not including all all different beliefs <laughs> listen listen here i'm going to do my song um it's one that i heard from the trolley dollies you know the right. trolley dollies okay uh, that is a kathy specific it's the name of a very, very big and very beautiful boy <laughs> called Brendan, and he takes the name of Kathy Specific. He was the um, he was an air steward for a long time, and then did this drag queen thing. Absolutely enormous guy, <laughs> and he has a show called Big Sister at Gate sixty nine in Cape Town, and it was totally brilliant. And there's this magnificent song in the show called "I'm So Offended." Man, that's my theme tune. Every time somebody gets offended by what I say, I stand there and I sing it. I think what I will do is put on my fishnet stockings with Kathy's specific. I will wear a mini skirt. I will tease up my hair, probably get a white wig, and we will do I'm So Offended together. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then one last comment. Helen, you are prohibited. You are for forbidden from retiring before the ANC is placed into an opposition position. What a wonderful comment. That is really great. And I'll do my very best, but I don't think that'll take too long. 2024, here we come. Helen, thank you so much. Thank you for pushing through all, those, all the technical gremlins. I wish you all the best. Have a great day. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we will chat soon. It was great to be with you. Thanks, Jim. My name is Jim. This was Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.